Welcome to the Not A Mommy Yet podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Fay. I started the Not A Mommy Yet blog and this podcast because I've always known I want to be a parent one day, and you might be listening because you feel the same. You may have also heard people with kids say things like, I wish I had known this before I had kids, or I wish I had done that. Hearing those comments made me think about the parts of my life I want to spend more time focusing on before I have kids in ways that will benefit me as a parent. So I started a list of people who can teach me about health, money, relationships, psychology, and more, and started interviewing them, and this podcast was born. Whether you plan to have kids or not, I think you'll find something interesting in this podcast for you. I hope you enjoy, subscribe, and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. This week on the Not A Mommy Yet podcast, I am speaking with Veronica of Hiking With Harps. Veronica came across Montessori after having her daughter and realized how the method not only translates to children, but into her day-to-day at home with all adults. When she transitioned from working full-time to staying at home full-time with Harper, her daughter, she found it was hard to stay connected to like-minded moms, and the pandemic also made it more difficult in the earlier months of motherhood. So she created her account to share her story, where she quickly realized how many parents were inspired by her story. Veronica believes that children are much more capable than most people believe, and that we can support them best by guiding them without interference. In this episode, Veronica shares how Montessori has taught her so much about herself, parenting, and her community. She is self-taught and has taken courses from the prepared Montessorian and has read countless books. She wants caretakers and future parents to know that Montessori is and should be accessible for all. By focusing on following your child and outdoor play, all children can have a Montessori home. I wanted to speak with Veronica on this topic because there are a lot of ways to approach parenthood and everyone needs to find what works for them. As I get closer to the time of having my own kids, I'm always curious to see how parents interact with their children to see what I really like. I have loved seeing Veronica and Harper play and enjoy the outdoors. I have learned so much. You'll see in this episode why patience is so important with this approach, something that I think is a great reminder, especially personally as well. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Veronica. Thank you for listening. Well, thank you so much, Veronica, for being on the Not A Mommy Up podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you today. This is a subject that I really haven't learned anything about, you know, you hear about Montessori everywhere. You see it like Montessori preschool when you drive by a preschool or whatever it might be. But I guess until you really have kids or until you dive into it, um, it's, you know, I, I don't really understand much about it. Um, so when I discovered your Instagram account and I just saw how incredible your daughter is able to do so many things that I know other two-year-olds that I've met are almost two-year-olds have not been able to do. And I, and I think it was on your account that said, you know, if you assume your kid isn't ready to do something, you're really doing a disservice to them instead of preparing them and, and providing those building blocks to reach those points where those milestones, I guess it was just, I was immediately attracted to your account and I thought you're doing such an incredible job who better to talk to than you. So Um, just to start, I'd love for you to share kind of about you and how you got so interested in Montessori. What made you feel like it was really the right choice for you and your family? Of course. Um, but thank you for inviting us. I was really excited to hear from you. Um, but so, yeah, so Montessori, um, what attracted me the most was the fact that 
they have the belief of following the child. So it doesn't fall under, um, you know, you have to hit certain check marks like, oh, when your kid is one, she should like dolls. When your kid is um, two, they should be doing this. But it was more very specific on like, observe your child and follow your child and look at what they're capable of because they're they're capable of so much we just we have these like preconceived conceptions in our brains that tell us that by this age they should be doing this or they're kids so they should only be playing they should not be in the kitchen they should not be climbing outdoors there's there's all these thoughts that we have in our heads from our own childhood and instead with Montessori it's kind of like erase all of that and they said follow the child just observe your child like take the time to see what is your child interested in and don't try your best to not interrupt and instead prepare the environment for them so set things up to where they can be successful even if it's the tiniest little contribution that they're doing it's a huge it's a huge milestone for them to know that they are participating in the home and they're part of the community in the home Amazing. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think what you were saying about, you know, they shouldn't be climbing or this, it could also be in my mind, like a comfort level thing. Um, in addition to your own childhood and your own memories of that, you can be scared. I can imagine as a, as a parent, as a new parent, a first time parent to see your kid trying new things, doing things that are like, not only maybe physically uncomfortable for you for their like boundaries. Um, but also like, oh, like they're doing this now. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't want them to grow up or something. <laughs> like, you know, I just want them to kind of stay young and little and all this stuff. So I feel like there's a lot of emotions at play there as well. Um, so when you first learned about it and you, you know, fell in love with this, this approach, um, did you already have your daughter at the time? Um, So I think she was around, it was when I was on maternity leave. So it was somewhere between like birth to 10 weeks old um, that I found it. And I found it through um, an Instagram account that she no longer is on Instagram. She just has a blog now. It's her Montessori in real life. And I found it there. She shared her daughter and kind of like the, what her daughter was going through and how, she was, you know, kind of very independent in her own self. And then I started doing more reading, finding more blogs, and then reading um, Maria Montessori's literature that I kind of dived into it. And I'm glad I didn't find it until after I had my daughter, because even though I'm sure I would have like agreed or thought that it would be beneficial before, I wouldn't have truly grasped what it is to be a parent and to like simply let them be until I actually had her like in my, yeah. until I was observing her until she was in my arms and I could tell that. Um, so it was a good, it was good timing. And it was also good enough to where it was, you know, she was still just 10 weeks old at that, at that point. So there was still a lot of pivot room on like how to change things up. I didn't have, I didn't have like a full blown nursery that was filled with toys. I just, she was so young that at that age, you know, I was just kind of, we were just hanging out. She was sleeping and eating all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's nice to hear that it is one of the things that you don't really have to prepare for ahead of time where like you felt really good about the timing of when you, when you started to dive into all that. Cause I feel like there is a lot of stuff that can be thrown at 
um, women and families, I guess, preconception and then prenatal and then postpartum and all the preparation for your house or your family or your life. But if it's, if it's manageable to do once the baby's here, that's, I feel like a nice relief to know that. Um, so when you started to kind of implement this, did you have like an aha moment? Like, this is really amazing. This is working. And I love this. And I'm going to commit to this. Like, did you see something in your daughter? (laughs) Did you just feel like you really clicked with the approach? And, and also I'd love to know kind of what helped you, like you said, you kind of set up the environment to set them up for success. What does that really mean? Are you, are you buying certain things? Are you um, like, um, are there activities that you read about or know how to like get everything you need to set up in your home? Like, how was that whole process? Yeah. Um, touching base a little bit more on what you said about, you know, when you're, when you're planning for a family and then you're, you're pregnant and you're doing all this other planning. So I remember when I was pregnant and people would ask me like, just like about the nursery or about like her name also. And I was just like, I'm just trying to get her here. Like that's all, that's my goal right now is just trying to be healthy and trying to figure out how to get her, like, just for her to be born and for us to be together. And so, yeah, like, if if I would have known about it beforehand, I probably would have pushed it off to the side. And when I did find out about Montessori and she was born and we were spending our time together during leave, I also realized that it was more, it was not as much about the materials that that's what was important. It was about the mindset. It was about shifting your mind from thinking that you that you have to treat a child like like they're just a child, but instead treating your child as the adult that they're going to become. Mm. So showing that same respect that you would show to an adult, show that same like comfort, show that same um, like just really respect is what it came down to. Um, so it was it was a lot of that. It was a lot of shifting not from things around the house, but more shifting about your mindset um, and how you approach this child. Um, so it was, it was, I mean, it was a beautiful moment. It was like you said, it was like an aha moment in my brain where I was just like, why did I hear about this? Like, this is amazing. Yeah. And then that's when I realized that there were things such as Montessori schools also. Um, but going back on the, talking about the environment, so for Montessori, I mean, it, it changes very much depending on the age of the child, right? So when your child is in the newborn stage, you're focusing in on movement, really. And that is just promoting that your child learns how to lift their head up, right? And that they work on the, like, they do tummy time and that they they work on their neck muscles and their back muscles. And so with before Montessori, I would see that, you know, we'd put like bright lights in front of the kids. We put these colorful like things all over the kids and you would see how the child is just overstimulated by seeing it all. And instead, when you see a Montessori space, which is very, it's very minimalist. It's simply a, a baby Montessori space is going to consist of just a mat where they're comfortable and then a mirror that's going to be faced um, vertical in order for them to be able to see like full then full the full space and just like a, a couple of, of toys really um a couple of like wooden very very um very simple toys because the child sees themselves in the mirror and that's really all the stimulation that they need to encourage them 
they don't need all the extra blinking lights. Instead, that's just that's sending so much stimuli into their brain that they get later you get exhausted, tired babies. Um, right. But so for for a for a newborn, that was that was really the biggest thing that we did was just make sure to create the environment for her to where she wasn't being overly stimulated, and instead she was lifting her head on and doing tummy time based off of what she what really interested her um and that's also around the time that I started pushing more of like Montessori into doing it outdoors so we would my daughter was born in August and we live in Texas and so around like October once we were I started going back to work but I would still have her in the mornings and the evenings I would spend time outside and you would see, I'd do the same thing, put a blanket down, right? And just simply let her be and I would observe her and she, you would see how she would just be captivated by the wind, by the leaves, by the birds. And all that was enough to encourage her to lift her head, to move from side to side. Um, I mean, it was really beautiful. The newborn stage, I I know most moms are exhausted. I was exhausted, (laughs) Um, but I I really do wish I would have like recorded more of it because watching them and watching kind of how they get to become amazed about the environment outside, it's really, it's breathtaking. Yeah. I mean, I think a theme that I'm hearing is just how much it really makes the parent, like there's so many benefits to the parent as well. Not only the child where like, you're actually slowing down and you're really observing your child, which I know, of course, I'm sure all parents watch their kids, but like observing is a different, that's a different word. It, it means something different. It's it, you're more focused and you're more like in the moment, which I'm sure just makes the experience more enjoyable anyway. Um, because like you said, it's breathtaking and that's, that can only be the, I feel like the emotional response if you're really watching and understanding what's, what you're looking at. And, and that just, that sounds amazing. So (laughs) when, did you ever get any like questions from family or friends about this approach or about um, anything you were doing? Were they interested? Was it the like, well, I did it differently or, or like how kind of did your community feel about that? Uh, yeah, no, like 100%. Um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, I going back to what we were talking about, um, respect, right? Mm-hmm. And when you see a child, I think that it, it's very easy to, like, make comments about, like, their, their physical appearance sometimes. Um, and that's not something you would say to an adult, right? You would not point out somebody's physical appearance to, to like, to their face and kind of like joke around about it. So that was, that was a big um, game changer here in like my family because my daughter, um, she was, she was very chubby. Um, she was, it was adorable. She had these, these rolls all over. Um, and so my family would, would see it and they would comment on her and they would be like, Oh, you're so chubby. Like, and they would just like make a lot of comments on it. And so I had to say, you know, like we have to like respect her. Like, I don't really think we should be, talking about her physical appearance and the the immediate setback was um the immediate response from them was you know oh she's just a baby and I'm like yes that's that's very true she is just a baby but you know from from like even when she was in my belly like she could hear everything like all of these things are being engraved in her head and so we 
we can't we can't say these things like if you wouldn't say that to an adult you should not be saying it to the child it really came down to that um that's a very a lot of pushback on that that's I feel like that's the simplest way of putting it and and that just you know yeah there's going to be pushback on that because you're breaking generational cycles just by saying that you're, yeah. tr- you're really trying to change up the game. And, and it is something that takes practice. I don't think it's something that's, it's easier said than done to just like, we're so used to commenting on baby's appearance. Oh, look at how beautiful. Look at the cheeks, look at yeah. the arms. Like, you know, you, you're just, we're so used to doing that. So I think this is like a very interesting approach and, and something I completely agree with. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> Right. I mean, it, it doesn't, I mean, it sounds silly when you first hear it, but then when you actually think about it and you're like, wait, like, yeah, those aren't things you want your daughter to have. You don't want those to be the first things your daughter hears. Exactly. Um, and so that was like the first big pushback. Um, and then the, the second one was kind of more on like, um, a big part of Montessori is, you know, allowing your child to have freedom within limits. And so when people hear freedom, they think, you know, that my daughter's running around like crazy all day long and I never say no, but that's not what we do. We do freedom within limits. So she has a choice to do things um, within like a certain limit of what it is that she's doing. Right. And so that was, that was another big hard one. Um, Cause I, I set up like, so a perfect example is like, my daughter now, she's 25 months old. Um, and yesterday we have, so I have like some towels that are like cleanup towels. Um, and so whenever like she does a spill or she's, she's fully potty trained now, but like if she has like a mess, she'll go and she'll, she'll go get a towel and she'll clean it up um, oh. and go over to the toilet. But so yesterday she, ran over to um, the cabinet and grabbed like a handful of towels, like 10 towels. And so before I like stopped her and was like, what are you doing? You know, I kind of like, like stood back and watched what she was doing and she would run to the front of the house and she would put them all on like a, on a chair and she would unfold them and then fold them back up. But these are small like hand towels. And so like, had I like stepped in and been like, what are you doing? Like the towels belong there. Like don't touch the towels you don't need the towels, I would have missed the fact that she's like communicating with me to tell me, you know, that she's, this is a new skill that she's learned and she's picked up from just observing me and she's practicing it. Um, so it was, it's, it's, it's things like that. That's really hard. Um, yeah. With family, because they, they immediately want to step in and say, no, 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 like, don't do that. Or my daughter will also help me, um, unload a dishwasher. And so, like my method of unloading the dishwasher is that I'll grab, I'll like grab everything and put it on top of the counter and then kind of like pile it up and then move it over to where the cabinet's at. Yeah. Um, so this was, she was probably like maybe like seven, 17 or 18 months at the time. Um, but she started like taking the plates off the dishwasher and putting them on the floor. Right. And so like, had I like stepped in and been like the plates, those are clean plates, they don't go on the floor. I wouldn't have seen the fact that what she was doing was because because she couldn't reach up to the top of the countertop. She was putting them on the floor to stack them up and then pass them to me. Um, So it's kind of like giving them the freedom, but also observing to making sure that they are, they are like, see what they are doing and what they're interested in. Um, So that was another big pushback from my um, just from my family, really. Um, but because of the pandemic, we haven't seen as many friends and like 
in Mm -hmm. an inside environment, they will sleep in an outside environment. Um, And when it comes to like an outside environment with our friends, the pushback, not really pushback, but kind of like what we've had more of like discussions about is the fact of, you know, kind of letting Harper do her own thing when she's at the playground. Like if she's not hurting any kid, if she's not, um, not hurting herself or hurting any kids like kind of let her do her own thing and sometimes her own thing is just kind of sitting back and watching um and not pushing to play because at many times you'll hear like on the playground like parents be like go play like why don't you go do this why don't you go do that and if you think about it um for a child like we know what playgrounds are we've seen playgrounds our whole life right but for a child like this is a brand new place like it's it looks really cool they need to figure out what is the best thing that they want to play with what they'd like to do um so there's no reason to rush them really um that's kind of been with friends the only thing we've had is just kind of being like like kind of like stepping in being like you know she'll she'll play when she wants to play (laughs) can I ask you kind of a specific playground question yeah So how do you teach her about safety on the playground? Like the first thing that comes to mind is a kid walking in front or behind a swing. Um, And it just always makes me so nervous. Like I have a nephew who just turned four and he is super energetic on the playground. He's running around and just like doing everything. And, and the swing thing freaks me out. And so I just want (laughs) to ask you like, you know, totally. I agree. Like letting them do their thing, figure out the lay of the land. What do they vibe with all that, but safety conversations like at maybe at Harper's age versus like a four-year-old, like what do you suggest to kind of help set them up for success and safety on the playground? Yeah. I think, um, having conversations like beforehand, I know they're not possible every time, but kind of having them beforehand is a really great, like, um, foundational skill. So, like, whenever I'll push Harper, um, and this is from when she was a baby, too, whenever, like, I'll push her and, not, like, I'll be in front of her and we'll play, like, peekaboo or something. Um, and maybe if I'm, like, too close, like, I'll be like, oh, no, like, you almost hit me, like, or that hurt. But having those kind of conversations and, like, letting her know that um, if she's swinging, like, I need to step outside out of the way because she'll ask me, like, she'll ask me to push her like directly in the back or directly in the front. And I'll be like, I can't stand directly in front of you because you're going to hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, so having those conversations beforehand are important, but I do think that, I mean, it depends on every child's energy level. Um, I mean, we see in the playground kids running around all the time too. And a lot of it does come down to having the parents be nearby. And if they are in danger, like making sure that you stop them. Um, yeah, it but. makes sense to have the conversation ahead of time too, because you probably have their focus. While they're not like yeah. seeing what you're talking about directly necessarily, at least they're listening more than they would be in the moment at the playground when you just get there and they're like, Why are you talking to me? <laughs> like exactly. I need to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, having having those conversations beforehand or even afterwards um are a really great way to to bring up the conversation with your child but also like have them click in their head and like to think back on where it is like you know once you leave the like say um you're on you're on the swing or your child was swinging and there were kids running around right and afterwards you can have the conversation in the car be like you know when we swing we have to also make sure that there aren't kids running around or when somebody else is swinging just having those um 
kind of like reinforcements really is what it comes down to. Like a debrief. Um, and then, yes. And that's, that's another big part of, of Montessori is having those, those reinforcements on like saying, on being like as specific as possible. Like I get asked all the time, um, cause my daughter likes to cook. And so she does, um, she has like a toddler tower in the kitchen. Um, and I'll get asked all the time, like, how do I prevent her from climbing from the tower onto the countertop and, you know, just going crazy on the countertop. Um, and that's, that's a legitimate question because children love to climb. Um, but it's having the constant reminders of, of not saying like, don't climb on top of the countertop because then children like don't hear the first part and they just hear the climb the countertop portion. Um, but instead of reinforcing and being like, our, like saying things like our feet stay down on the tower, like our feet stay down. And the moment I see my daughter like trying to lift her leg up to go and I'll remind her, I'll be like, your, your feet stay down. And like, if you, if you want to go climb, we can go climb somewhere else. Um, but having those things in the positive. Yeah. Yeah. That that helps a ton because they're not hearing no, 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 but instead they're hearing, you know, okay, I can, I can stay here and my feet can stay here. If I want to go climb, I can go climb over there. Um, so it, it, it takes a lot of learning. I think also some, I mean, I've been doing this for about two years and I'm still, looking back at moments in my head and saying like, Oh, you know, I could have approached that a little bit differently, but we're all learning through it all. Yeah. I mean, first of all, yeah, you're doing an incredible job. Not that you need any reassurance from me, but I can imagine it takes so much practice to get to where you are today, where you, I mean, just, I a hundred percent would have been like, what are you doing with those towels? (laughs) (laughs) I totally, totally would have. And so this is exactly why I love this podcast and I love having these conversations because it just makes me think differently. And hopefully when the time comes and I do have kids, I'll remember this conversation and yeah, yeah, it's just, (laughs) it takes a lot of practice. These aren't things that we're used to doing, especially when it comes to small children, if you've never been around them or if it's your first child, like it just takes so much practice. Um, but yeah, the, the, dealing with, you know, your family and friends and community and and how they do things differently and bringing Harper around that. I know I kind of want to talk a little bit more about that because obviously like the way you handled it is very, you know, respectful. It invites conversation. It's not like there's any like stronghold boundaries where you're enforcing them to follow or anything like that. You know, you're, I think approaching it perfectly. It's just, I can see that coming in on so many different aspects of Harper's life. Like the parents, I'm afraid of, you know, like my future children being around people who like share very strong views that I just don't want maybe my kid to hear about, regardless of if I agree or not. Just there's so many of that. There's so much of that, of your kid being alone with other people at certain points in their life and like you can't control it. So how do you prepare them? And um, I don't really know what I want to ask you about that, but I'm just curious, like, I'm sure you think about that to some extent, the fact since you are a mom, you know, like, do you just kind of repeat yourself? Do you prepare people before Harper comes over or like, do you, what, like, I guess what's your approach to kind of help support your ideals and your methods of parenting when Harper's in new environments? Yeah, no, I I think, I mean, that's a great question because I mean, that's the reality, right? Like we have our child that we bring them home um, Mm -hmm. and we kind of 
create this world for them and then they go off to school or they go off to friends and then you're you're you you can't control it all right um so it does it does get like my my daughter goes over to my mom's house um about like once a week um and I like I know that she's like over there like I know how my parents are just because they are grandparents um and grandparents are very different from parents whether it be Montessori or not yeah Um, they're always going to act differently they're always and also parents have um I I think our reflex skills are a lot faster than our grandparents so they're a little bit more worried and that that I mean that makes sense right um so I I think about it often but I I do think that what you like having so one of the best things that I like about Montessori is the fact that you are one observing your child you're following your child but then mixing all of that and having those conversations with your child just normal regular conversations you're creating a really strong bond with your child because your child knows that they're being respected that you respect them um and I do think that helps kind of reinforce whatever it is that goes on in the outside world um because they're able to have that like open communication and like come home and say like you know my aunt told me this about that like what like is this true and then you don't you don't react to it with like um with like a that's nonsense like who told you that but instead like sharing having that conversation and saying like you know some people have these kind of views and we have these other kind of views like what do you think about it um Mm -hmm. and so I mean Harper's still really young she's at like she's at two so she's not really fully communicating with people yet but one of the things that I do want to kind of um like reinforce in her but or like make sure kind of tell her that it's important is making sure that instead of you know asking her like oh like what at, like let's say she goes to school and, and I pick her up from school instead of giving the blanket like how was your day today right because everybody says that and then the, the immediate response to that is just going to be like oh it's great mm-hmm. and that's the end of the conversation right so with Harper instead I I realized that I would want instead to ask her like what questions did you ask today like what did you what were you curious about what do you want to learn about um because that that's going to help her have like more of an open mind and also have an open conversation at home. Um, So that's really, I I think that's the best we can do. Um, I know once our kids get a little bit older and they just kind of go out there in the world, they hopefully will come back to us and ask us, ask us, you know, what does this mean? What is that? Um, But it's hard. It's hard. It's it's really hard, especially when you have a baby and you're like trying to figure out how am I going to protect this child for the rest of my life? (laughs) Yeah. I know the reality is you can't, but I think it makes a lot of sense. What you're saying is that if you build that bond, there was, um, Melissa Buchan is another woman I interviewed on the podcast. And her advice was that if you become the source of authority on a certain, or sorry, if you are the one who starts to educate your child first about a certain topic and starts these conversations about different things that you find important, you at, and of course there's an appropriate age and stage of like how you have these conversations and what you share, but she was like, you become the authority on that subject. So they're going to come back to you and be like, wait, my mom knows about this. I'm going to go to her. Um, and it just was, it, exactly. it made so much sense to me to, cause, and we were talking about like reproductive health. So 
which can be like a tough subject to talk about at a very young age, but there is a way to do it in a way that they can understand it from very young to, of course, into their teenage years. So um, I would like to talk about language and communication because I, I know that Harper knows some sign language and you speak mm-hmm. Spanish to her and um, English, I'm sure too, um, but maybe just primarily mm-hmm. Spanish. I just want to kind of understand what your approach is to language development for her. And because I'm, I'm, I've heard of families do this with bilingual or trilingual households where they have like one person committed to one language. And I can imagine it can be pretty hard to stick to. So I'm curious <laughs> about your approach and what's worked for you. Yeah. So, um, so I speak Spanish as my um, native language. And then I, I learned English whenever I started school here in, I think, uh, elementary school. Um but so I, I even though I never really used Spanish like professionally, like at my job or anything like that, I, I do enjoy knowing it. Um, and for me, my mom, um, my mom doesn't speak very much English, and so I really wanted to make sure that Harper was speaking Spanish, um, and that she kind of knew about the culture and the heritage of like where our family came from. Um, and so I do speak primarily Spanish to Harper. My parents speak primarily Spanish to Harper. Um, Harper's dad only speaks English, and so he can't speak Spanish to her. Um, so her English exposure comes from her dad, and then like um, gymnastics, doctor's appointments, playgrounds, stuff like that, um, or books. We have, even though I try and get as many books as possible in Spanish, um, English usually um, wins on that category. Um, but so I speak Spanish mostly to her until like my brain switches to English and I don't even realize it until I'm like mid sentence and realize I'm speaking English. Yeah. Um, Which is a lot harder than I thought it would be um, because so my, my Spanish was learned at home. Right. And like schools where I learned English. And so there's certain words in Spanish that I don't know how to say in Spanish. (laughs) And so we'll be like in the kitchen and I'm just like, I have no idea, you know? And so like, in my, and that's whenever Siri or, you know, my, my Apple watch comes in handy and I just like have to whisper to it and be like, how do you say this in Spanish? And um, it's been a learning curve for both of us. Um, So the, the, the sign language, um, I heard about sign language whenever I think it's probably right after Harper was born. I'm not sure. Like I'd heard about it, you know, that you sign the babies to help them communicate. Yes. Um, but whenever Harper was around, I think like 12 months or something, um, she wasn't really saying, like she was making a lot of noises or making a lot of noises, but she wasn't saying like falling under like the milestones of when, of the babbling noises she should be making. And so like I brought it up to her pediatrician um, but Harper was also really advanced in gross motor skills. So she was like, she never crawled. She went straight to walking. Um, she was walking at like 10 months and her like fine motor skills were also really amazing. Um, so the, the pediatrician said, you know, sometimes kids that are further advanced in some areas, um, like they put in all their efforts that area. So then other areas, they may be a little bit further behind. And so I was like, okay, like that's cool. Um, but in my head, I was still kind of like, you know, with Montessori, we want to respect the child and we also want to um, 
like we want to be the prepared adult for the child. So we want to help the child however we can. And with me, like a big part of that came with like expressing. Um, so I know I get frustrated when I'm trying to explain something to somebody and they they can't understand me. And I just imagine how hard it would it must be to try and you know, ask for the tiniest of thing and not be able, not be able to express it, not be able to ask for it, not be able yeah. to say it. Um, and so I, I did a little bit more digging. Um, and that's when I found, um, I think it was, it was probably February. So Harper by then was like around, but like we had learned a couple of times, but not too many. And so I then Harper was like 18 months old and I found, um, Ashton on Instagram from what dad did and he shared you know he's um his child um Miss Osh she she's a child she's a coded child so it's a child of deaf adults so him and his wife are both deaf um and so he shared kind of like his journey with that and his his um the difference between sign language and baby sign language and it was it was a really big game changer um because I also realized that um what we've been teaching what other people have been teaching our children is sign language falling under baby sign language isn't true sign language um so I wanted to do a little bit more research on it and then I, I decided you know well I'll dig in I'll teach Harper sign language and it's been it's been um like it's been crazy it's been great <laughs> but it's been a lot of work um yeah. because I don't know sign language um I know a handful of things but not not to the to the extent that like a toddler's vocabulary explodes right yeah so I picked up a couple of books I went to like the library I asked for some resources I found some resources online um and so I signed to her words that or things that I noticed that she is has more attention towards so because we spend some time outdoors a lot of time outdoors she likes to point at like the squirrels or the birds and so we picked up those words so now she can sign back to me and she can communicate with me. And now she's at the point that she does like like uh, sentences. Um, so she'll be like, um, she'll be like, Oh, this person is this and this person is that. And it's, and Harper's still not fully verbal to like the extent that she should be at this age. So it's been, it's been really magical to see her watch me sign and then her do it back and then learn and then communicate. And there'll be times like yesterday she was signing something to me and I didn't know what it was. And in my head, I was just like tracing back, like, okay, what is this thing that you're trying to say to me? And then I realized that she was saying um, strawberries. And in my head, I was like, I showed you that sign like five months ago. And then you never touched back on it. Like, it's crazy what their head really is. Um, But so it's been, it's been a little exhausting. And Harvard does go to um, a, a speech language therapist for her developmental verbally and so her expressive language um is delayed um but her receptive language is like she understands everything that I say yeah. in English and Spanish um or in signing um so it's been it's been a journey um but I'm really glad I did it because I don't know when Harper will eventually catch up to her language and I don't ever want to kind of leave her hanging just because I I didn't put in like you know a little bit extra effort into finding another way for her to communicate with me when I knew that this was going to take a little longer than it should that's incredible I think that has so much value I'm sure 
whether she's aware of it or not, extremely appreciates like that ability. I'm curious, like first, how you teach her just one word, for example, do you just show it to her and then do the sign and you just repeat, repeat, repeat? Like how, how do you even teach her to begin with? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's, that's a good example. Um, so she'll, if, once I know the, the sign for it, right. She'll see something and I'll be like, yes, like that's, a, and I'll say the word and I'll also sign it. Um, and so then I'll do it like three times or something, right? Because after that, her attention span is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if we see it later out in public, so um, like let's say dog, right? If we're going out of the first time she saw a dog, I'll be like, yes, that's a dog. And then I'll like sign it to her. Um, and then like the next couple of times that we see it, I'll be like, oh, did you see the dog? And I'll sign again. Um, and I mean, it catches on pretty quickly, and I think that's just I think that's just the toddler mind that they're so vivid um, that yeah. their their brain just learns that fast. Um, and there'll be there'll be many times that, and I'm 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 so happy that we do sign language at home and that we've learned so much about it in the culture because it really there'll be times that like dinner there's so we have this like inflatable pool during the summer outside because it's so hot here mm-hmm. and it has like little fishies on the outside right it's like a kid's pool and during lunch one day she was like signing fish and outside and I was like no Harper like we don't have any fish outside right and I felt I was like in my head I was like did we eat fish today like what what, <laughs> what is she talking about um and she like had signing fish and outside. And then I was like, oh, you're talking about the pool. I was like, there's fish outside the pool. Um, so you can see it in her eyes also how she is happy to be able to make that connection and share that connection because um, it makes a big difference. And then, you know, that's that's her initiating a conversation right there. That's her saying like, oh, I want to talk about the pool. I want to do this. And so then we'll chat about it. Um, but it's been, it's been a lot of, of learning um and also it's it's been very humbling to realize how much work and effort really goes through it like I like we read aloud all the time and then when I started signing books to her like signing the the like reading it out loud and also signing it to her I realized how hard it is to do that um to be like okay well who like how am I supposed to hold the book and change the pages and like sign at the same time um it's incredible that so your was, sign language like skills expanded that much too to like sign a whole book that's yeah I mean thankfully like children's books are pretty repetitive like baby goes to market like it's kind of like the same I don't know like 20 words um but it 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 has been a a big learning curve for me as well um which I've I've appreciated to like pick up something and like learn about it and I I I mean I don't I don't know what the future holds um so I'm happy to be doing this alongside with Harper right now. Would you recommend to parents that like, if that's something that feels right to them, that teaching sign language, regardless of their children's verbal communication, like would be valuable and worth the time and energy that you put into it? Just because, I mean, even discovering that account that you mentioned, it also must mm-hmm. show you, you know, like, Harper can now communicate with kids who maybe have, who are deaf or communicate with their parents, you know, if that's a situation, but like, that's a skill that she has now that she can continue to have, you know, as, as she's still like, once she's like talking all the time, she can still have that ability to like sign. 
um, which is something that most people don't, who don't, you know, need it in their immediate kind of life. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, that's the dream really. Um, And I think had it not been for the scenario that I'm in right now, I I really wouldn't have noticed like really how valuable it is. Um, Mm That would be that would be the dream for you know two reasons one like you said um, for other kids to be able to communicate with Harper and Harper to communicate with any other kid um, that has any sort of like um, that is deaf or has any sort of um, hard of hearing or anything of that yeah. um, but also because it does give the child the great ability to communicate what they're feeling even if they can't say it um, so like Harper is in this like I like she's very empathetic and so whenever she sees a kid crying or hears a kid crying on the playground she'll be like oh like this kid's really sad and she'll like sign it to me and she'll be like oh sad right and so and she she can find other emotions like happy or like upset um so I think it's really great because you know whenever whenever your child is you know, throwing a tantrum or being upset or stuff like that, like they can communicate with you and say, you know, like I am upset. And I think acknowledging that you are upset is a wonderful skill um, because us as adults can't even acknowledge that sometimes, you know, we just get mad. We never, we never acknowledge the fact that we are upset and what it is that we are upset. So by her being able to say, I'm upset. And then we can be like, why are you upset? Like, what is going on? Like, are you upset because you know, you can't find your toy, you're upset because of this. And those are really great lifelong skills um, that she is learning right now. And I think she wouldn't have been able to fully express herself or for me to understand or communicate with her had we not implemented sign language earlier on. That's incredible. That's such a good thing to know about, you know, like something that I should, that I would be interested in exploring some more now just on my own. Um, but so kind of to wrap this up, because we could, I feel like talk a lot about this for a long time. I would love, um, I asked three questions to every guest on my podcast, but before that, I just want to finally ask for people who are interested in learning more, maybe new parents or pregnant people listening or people like myself who don't have kids yet, but are just like really interested in kind of just educating themselves on this what other resources have you found incredibly helpful or products like websites, things like that, where you can learn about Montessori or this and this approach to um, parenting that you found incredibly helpful? Yeah. Um, so the, like the number one book that I recommend to everybody um, who's new and learning is a, is a book called The Montessori Toddler. And now there's a baby version called The Montessori Baby. Um, but, and it's by Simone Davies. And she breaks it down so easily. Um, her book is really easy to digest. You, there's pictures. Um, <laughs> there's like examples of like it's prepared environments. There's activities. Um, the book is really just gold. Um, and she has, it's in every language you can imagine also. Um, but she also has um, Instagram account and the website. Um, so her her book is great because it's, it's really easy um, to read and it's also really easy to understand for somebody that looks at you know my Instagram account and immediately gets overwhelmed yeah <laughs> um, and that you need to that like my kid isn't cooking on their own right now like I I, I give up kind of thing um, so her book's really easy um, 
And then when it comes, and she also has suggestions for like, kind of part of the environment and toys. But then after that, if you are just a parent that wants your kid to do Montessori, and they might already be going to a Montessori school, um, or they might be going to preschool, but you kind of want them to have like the materials. Um, we use Love Every and they are a subscription kit. Um, they're kind of pricey. And so like, I would always ask for um, like gift cards for her birthday and stuff my family um so that helped out a ton um but they they give you the books they give you the kits by age by month and then they also give you this like it's like a book basically like you could call it a pamphlet but it's a book um and they'll tell you like all these activities to do with your kid or like mm-hmm. just really small things and and it's it's really helpful um it's really helpful also like for Harper's dad um, who didn't have the time to be looking up at like, blogs or reading or listening to podcasts? Mm. It was easy for him to be like, okay, like what is she doing now? Yeah. Um, so it's it's really helpful, and I even shared it like with my family. So those are really two great options um, if you're trying to dive in and you're you're new. And once once you feel more comfortable, you can kind of just figure it out on your own. Like, what does my child actually need instead of getting a subscription box? Yeah. And that's something else too, I've taken from this conversation is just releasing those expectations of those milestones of like what your kid should or shouldn't be doing. Just really focusing on the the child in front of you, your child, and really doing what's best for them. And that is such a great, just piece of advice or life lesson, whatever you want, a parenting lesson um, that I really appreciate from the conversation. Just kind of shifting that focus. Um, and then, so the final three questions I'd love to ask you, the first one is what mantra or words do you love to live by? Or do you like to live by like on a daily basis or anything or a quote that you love? Um, I mean, just what I really learned in the past years and what I kind of like really focus in and on just like trusting, um, really trusting yourself and trusting your own intuition um because there's many times when you like and it comes down to the parenting thing too you know like you instead of trusting what you think your child should be doing just trust what is in front of you trust what is here right now um and the other big thing is just being present and that's something that I learned um in college when I was just going through like a ton of anxiety and then I found yoga um, and I realized like what, what it meant to be present and to actually focus in and instead of, instead of doing something and having my mind be somewhere else. Um, And the same thing goes with with having a child, like instead of, instead of with, with the towel scenario, instead of immediately jumping my head into like oh no like what are you doing like when I say that like oh no what are you doing like my brain is already like in the future my brain is like already in like a reactive mode but instead being present and observing and just kind of like letting it be is completely it's just it's what it's what I focus in on now it's not not jumping ahead and I, and I think 2020 was a great example um for all of us that we really couldn't jump ahead because we did not know what was going to happen so. totally I try and remind myself of that all the time it, it goes back to also those things of like 90 percent of the things you worry about never happen um yeah. you know a lot of the things that have happened to me in my life are like more than I could have ever dreamed of in certain scenarios let alone plan for like you know it just it's it's a it's a waste of time <laughs> um 
so that's great. I think that makes a lot of sense and just aligns perfectly with this approach with, with Harper. Um, we all know it takes a village basically to, you know, to raise a child, you have to rely on a community. And I know we talked about the bumps in the road that you can have, but what do you value most in that community that's helped you raise Harper? Okay. Um, yeah, I think having that support as a, as a mom has been just what I value the most. So most of my friends don't have kids. Um, I have like two friends that do. Um, but most of them kind of see, they see it from an outside image. And so they see it as like me, the friend becoming a mom. And so they, they encourage, they encourage and they, they, they really just help lift you up. And that's, that's a really big part of being a parent and being, and having just like a good, good mindset, a good mentality is just having somebody lift you up, even though you might feel like it's been the hardest day ever. You might feel like, you know, you're falling short on something, but having that community lift you up and remind you that first off, like whatever is happening in this moment, like whether your child might not be sleeping right now, it's not going to be forever. Um, this also like this will pass and having that just having that community lift you up and remind you of like what you've done and how far you've gotten. Um, it's just, it, I mean, it's, like feeling like a virtual hug every time. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. So yeah, definitely having the support for you, maybe even more so in, in some scenarios than like to support you with Harper. It's it's really about, you know, helping you get through it because you're doing such hard, incredible work <laughs> every day. <laughs> um and then lastly, I know on your Instagram profile, it says, you know, you're raising a curious, independent and kind child. And my last question I ask everyone is what qualities do you most admire and hope to instill in your daughter? And that might be aligned, but I'm just curious to know kind of, yeah, about those, those qualities, those traits that you really hope to instill in Harper, but maybe already seeing her, you know, yeah. have. Um, so. I think the biggest thing, um, that I just want, like I like my my only wish really for her, um, is that she continues to be curious, that she never kind of loses that childlike curiosity and things, um, because that's where the questions come from. That's where that's where the big things come from. That's where she's curious about how does this work? How can we change this? How can like why even when it comes to feelings, like why am I feeling like this? Like why you know asking all those whys and digging deeper, um, and then also kind of like my, my, my wish as like a mom towards Harper is that I never project um, kind of like my desires onto her in terms of like, I want you to be an XYZ kind of person, but instead, like, I want you to have the mindset of curiosity and do what you want to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my big thing with her is just making sure that she continues to be a curious child wherever that may lead her. Um, Cause she's, she's already grown with the foundations here at home of being kind, you know, of being respectful. Um, she's going to have that throughout her life. Whenever we interact, whenever she interacts with other people, um, but just making sure she never loses that curiosity. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, which, yeah, I, I, it is sad to say, <laughs> like we do lose it to some extent, but for the, as long as we can keep it for sure. Um, 
Well, thank you so much, Veronica. I loved talking to you and learning about everything you're doing with Harper and as a mom. And I know that it's going to be super helpful to everyone listening and it's been super helpful for me. Um, I'd love for you to share where people can find you and connect with you. Yeah. Um, so I have an Instagram account it's called Hiking with Heart. Um, and I have a website also that's the exact same thing. But <laughs> you can always reach out there um, just through like a message or you can send me an email directly from my Instagram account. Amazing. And I'll share those links in the podcast notes. But yes, thank you again. And I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll enjoy continuing to watch Harper grow and all the cool activities you, you do with her. <laughs> Thank you. No, thank you so much for having us. Um, any chance that I get just to kind of spread Montessori and have other people learn about it before they have kids, really, um, I think is, is a great opportunity for all of us. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Not a Mama Yet. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review an Apple Podcasts and maybe even share it with a friend. Check out the podcast notes for any links we may have mentioned during our conversation, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening.